Welcome to the Pirelli Natural Horsemanship Podcast. In this episode, Pat is talking about the background of natural horsemanship. Not all clinicians are natural horsemen, and not all natural horsemen are natural. Hello, horse lovers. Pat Pirelli here to help you keep it natural so you can have a better horse life, and so can your horse. You know, not all clinicians are natural horsemen, and not all that proclaim to be natural horsemen are as natural as they can be. (laughs) <laughs> you ever thought about that? It's an interesting thing as I've gotten around the world. I did my first seminar on March 1st of 1982. And how do I know that? Because a little girl who's now a young lady named Susan Nelson was three years old. And her mother brought her to my very first seminar in Sunland, California, which is North Hollywood. And she brought me notes one day that said, uh, you know, from her mom, that uh, and it was dated March March first of nineteen eighty two, and I was like, I would have never remembered the date. I would remember I remember the year. Why? Because the man that I learned from, Mr. Troy Henry, was had passed away in nineteen eight December of nineteen eighty one. So I had a memory, a gross memory for that. But the point is, um, I didn't even know I was a natural horseman, other than my first. Words that came out of my mouth were, I, I studied, I mean, I, I uh, kept trying to recite this for two weeks before that seminar, so I remember it still. I said, good, good morning, everyone. A horsemanship can be obtained naturally through communication, understanding, and psychology versus mechanics, fear, and intimidation. Those are the first words out of my mouth. And so I, there it was, can be obtained naturally. And... As things went on, luckily, Dr. Uh, well, Dr. Bradley was the one who um, was my host, but Dr. R.M. Miller uh, was also there and with his wife, Debbie, and they then became hosts for many other clinics and other things that I did. So in my journey um, of forward and backwards of that date, I'd like to share some things with you. So... Let's just start with the clinicians. Who were the first clinicians? A lot of people might say it was Ray Hunt, but I would beg to differ. There was a man named Monty Rob Monty Foreman. Excuse me, got the Montys mixed up. Monty Foreman. Uh, I remember 1964 when I was 10 years old going to a Monty Foreman clinic in Niles, California. <laughs> he was one of the first clinicians. Well, who was before that? Well, there was a man named Ed Connell. Ed Connell wrote the the Hackamore Rainsman and Rainsman of the West. He lived in Livermore, California. He worked on the Moy Ranch, and I got to go spend uh, a month one summer with him. And uh, he passed away in 1972, um, and he was up on the, on the gang ranch up in Canada. And he was doing clinics on how to train Hackamore horses. All right, This was a big thing that was in California that seemed to be a, a new caught, thing with his books out, the Hackamore Rainsman, so people all over the all over the place wanted to start learning from Ed Connell. Look him up. It might be fun for you to, to learn about some of these these people. And, and then, of course, Monty Foreman. And Monty Foreman, you know, he um, put on clinics all over the world, and I'll never forget. It. You better be able to ride if you're going to ride in a Monty Foreman clinic, because um, I'll never forget all, not only all the videos, but all of us riding in Okay, everybody canter and turn left into the fence and come out on a left lane. Everybody canter and turn right. Now come out on a right lane. Everybody turn left. Now come out on a left lane. Everybody turn. 
whole, and he had like 20 of us at a gallop, at a canter, and then going here and going there. Oh, my gosh. Always tucked his pants inside his boots, and, and he was quite the character. And it turns out many years later, he was good friends with Troy Henry. And like I do these days, there are certain places that I stop with my rig and, and visit and, and um, will stay a day or two and you know, on my journeys going somewhere. Uh, he would stop at Troy Henry's and and uh, have a big visit. And I was there, monkey on top of a horse, and it, it, you know Troy would say, "Let's go, let's put Pat on this horse, let's put Pat on that horse." And he would. In those days, didn't have a microphone, so they had a bullhorn, and they'd be hollering across this bullhorn in the evenings while they were having a uh, what they called a highball in those days. It's kind of a seven up and and whiskey drink or something like that. And uh, anyway. So those are some of the very first clinicians. Now, I rode in my first um, Ray Hunt clinic, I believe it would be 1974, let's see, five, maybe five, 1975, somewhere in that era. Uh, went over to Madeira to the fairgrounds there, or some, I think it was a fairgrounds, a little arena, and a bunch of us went over and and uh, watch this guy, and he was talking about walking faster and walking slower. Everybody would take their bridle off and ride with their reins around his neck, and he'd say, smile, whistle, and ride, and had all this thing, and he was a jolly old guy, and he wasn't even that old, but he looked old to me. You know, when you're in your 20s, everybody looks, looks older. And uh, so I asked if I could come ride, and on the last day I got to ride, you know, it was an evening deal, so I got to ride one evening uh, with Ray Hunt, and... Never thought too much more about it, and I had a guy uh, that was working for me at the time, and he kept telling me about this guy named Ray Hunt, and I couldn't even remember that that was the guy's name I'd rode with, but I was eager to learn, and so I was going everywhere I could, and uh, how I met Ray Hunt, really re met him, was uh, a few years later <clears throat> in, uh, I was in um, uh, Fresno at the Fresno Bank of America Livestock Symposium, and Ray Hunt did a a demonstration, I swear, one of the very best. Even Tom Dorrance said it was one of the very best that he had ever saw. And uh, him do, as Colt starting, he it was magical. I mean, it, it was off the charts. He had a three-year-old Colt in there that had never been saddled, and he played with it for a few minutes and sent it this way and sent it that way and had it hook on to him and then, you know, connect and then come to him and then he'd send it the other way. And then he just went over while it was at liberty and put a blanket on it, put a saddle on it, ran it around it, bucked around there, and then it came back to him. He crawled on it, and then he was riding it around with his lariat split in, split in half, and he was turning, pushing it this way and pushing it that way. Then he reaches over and gets a snaffle off of the fence, and he bridles the horse while it's sitting in the saddle, and then out he goes on the racetrack. And my little puny demonstration of me riding Thumper, the mule, bridleist out on the racetrack, doing flying lead changes, slide stops, and spins, felt like, insignificant compared to that. I mean, I was wowed. So um, I walked over to the hot dog stand, and there was Ray Hunt and Carolyn. There was Tom Dorrance and Margaret. And there was Ronnie Willis and Gina. And just, you know, and I went up to Mr. Hunt. I said that was the most fabulous demonstration I've ever seen. And I was wondering, I'm moving up to Clements, California. Um, would you be interested to come uh, do a clinic at my place. He said, talk to Carolyn. 
<laughs> so I talked to Carolyn. We ended up, I think it was 83. It must have been 83 because uh, the, uh, um, maybe actually it might have been January of 84. But it was somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. I had just moved there. Probably 84 because Kate was born in 83. And we'd, we moved there in that fall. Yeah, so it would have been the next. Anyway, one thing lead to another. Turned out Ronnie, Ronnie Willis, which I believe is one of the best students between the two of them that I've ever known, uh, lived three miles down the road at Hayden Livestock. And he would come over almost daily. And for two or three years, he just mentored me and things was going. So at that time, I was already doing clinics. So now I remember one guy got in trouble because he called his clinic a Ray Hunt clinic. He didn't know what else to call it. And so he, I mean, he got a, a nasty gram from the Hunts about how, you know, and I think it was even in a magazine he advertised that he was, and I'll, I'll leave him nameless, but it was a big name, became a big name later on. And um, so nobody knew what to call it those in those days. And so, and a lot of people don't know that Tom and Ray used to do clinics together. And then Tom told me that one day, they said, Ray just had too much sagebrush in his nostrils. And he said, he needed to travel. He said, I wanted to go here or there, but I didn't want to, you know, travel like he did. So I told him, you just go on. So that's how that kind of started. I was doing clinics. I found out real quickly it was a lot better deal for the horse because I could help the people and I could help the people, therefore help the horse. So at first there was just a handful of us. Um, and I think it all basically, all the real natural horsemen centered a lot around Tom Dorrance. And I'll never, I'll never forget that this on his 80th birthday, several of us, I mean, there was hundreds of people there, and um, several of us did demonstration, and I did a brideless uh, and saddleless demonstration on spark plug, and uh, uh, Buck Branneman did uh, a beautiful demonstra- roping demonstration. I think at one time he could, he could do a butterfly and uh, skip, skip through it, and the smallest... Um, loop in the world and he's tall I think he's taller than I am and he was he was hopping back and forth with this trick roping technique that he has going through in and out of his uh his rope and anyway it was just fabulous thing and and a bunch of students of mine and we all got together and we bought Tom Dorrance a uh one of these microphones I was using called a long ranger and it was made for uh auction auctions and auctioneers and stuff like that and that's what i was using still to use to this to this day we bought him that because tom would speak so softly he was like this well what i think you should do with that little horse is when those feet start to move and everybody was hundreds of people trying to hear this guy really whispering and when he finally got that microphone people was like hey we can hear tom anyway so on it went and i've said for years now that i all my life I've been making waves and then finally it's time to surf it. And I look over at my right and my left and there's about, uh, I don't know, dozens of people surfing along on the waves that I've made. And of course, you know, I've told the story many times that Linda encouraged me to call it what I was doing, natural horsemanship, because I didn't want to call it the Pat Pirelli method or something. It's not a method, it's a skeleton. It's, it's a way. And uh, it's an approach, it's a philosophy, it's a concept. <laughs> there's theory and detail is, you know, there's an actual uh, behavioral science to it. So natural horsemanship was what we called it. We called it Pirelli natural horsemanship, knowing that other people would, would want to, just like martial arts, you know, have their um, 
interpretation. So all of that's really good. And, and here's where this blog, this idea came up with was here, oh, probably 10 years ago here in, in uh, Ocala, Florida, I was asked to, to be one of the people on a magazine uh, pre- pre- presentation. And there were two or three other big names. And those two of those names told the editor, um, they do clinics. And they said, because uh, it was about natural horsemanship. And they said, well, first of all, I don't do natural horsemanship. And the, the, the um, I'll never forget the look on this, the guy's face. It was like, or actually it was a gal. What? You know, because her thought was all clinicians did natural horsemanship. Now, it was was quite prolific, but I mean, David and Karen O'Connor, they do clinics. There's plenty of people, you know, the whole idea of of, of helping many riders and having spectators. Um, I mean, I, I remember I went to Ray Hunt's, that first clinic I sponsored. We started, I started like 25 colts. There were 30 people in the horsemanship class. There was about 12 or 15 of us in the cow working class and then there was probably three or four hundred I think it was 500 people the first clinic I put on there you know that I hosted for him so this idea of, of what a clinic is and what it could be started some people that had presentation skills caught on anyway I it was an interesting thing because this was, this was about how natural horsemanship and they said two of these top clinicians said first of all we're not we don't do natural horsemanship. And they said, well, what do you do? And they said, we just do traditional horsemanship. You know, in other words, the difference between natural horsemanship and normal horsemanship is that normal horsemanship, traditional horsemanship, comes mainly from the military. Very autocratic, very chauvinistic, very, you know, we will show the horse who's boss. We will, you know, we will ride them with contact and, and you know, these techniques and we will, you know, you know, anyway, on and on and on it goes. And it was an interesting thing because this, I could tell right then that they thought that everybody, this um, writer thought that everybody that did clinics was a natural horseman. And then, so now it goes on all around the world. People are doing that. And then, of course, natural horsemanship clinics started becoming prolific because the handful of people started watching it started watching my videos go well I can teach everybody that those seven games on the ground I can teach someone to wiggle a rope and teach a horse to back up and they thought that made them a natural horseman well as it turns out there's a lot of difference between technique and technician and here is the biggest part of this knowing why so I've said that savvy is knowing when to be where to be why to be what to do when you get there and when to quit doing what you're doing the why. Why does this technique work? How do you apply that technique? And why does that applying it that way work better than applying it? For example, approach and retreat. Everybody's been talking about approach and retreat for years. It, to be honest with you, retreat and approach works 10 times better. Why? Because horses are born skeptics, cowards, claustrophobics, panicaholics by nature in various degrees. And, a, and anything that's a skeptic and a coward, it doesn't want things approaching them. It want, but it gets curious if things are going away from. Them. I've seen horses with porcupine quills in their nose. Why? Because this little waddling critter waddling away from them, they get curious and they go over and put their nose on it and point. They got, <laughs> they could pop balloons for any birthday party <laughs> for a week. So we have to understand the true nature of the horse. They are prey animals. Round pen training. 
Oh man, there was a word. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, round pen training has ruined more horses than it's ever helped. Why? Because a lot of people think you get it in there and you exhaust the horse or you do it running around, running around until he finally says, what the heck do you want? And he'll turn and face you. All right. Um, there, there's a balance between what we do on the ground and in the saddle. There's a balance between getting a horse to turn and face you and come towards you. He's got to get away from you too. There's a balance between all the different things that we do. In the end, natural horsemanship is the use of natural psychology or psychology used naturally. That's really what this is. And it's not easy for people. It's easy for horses. Horses just, they, they just, they're just like, finally, someone understands me and, and I get it. I'll, sure, I'll do it if you do that. That's why they call it horse whispers. All right. And that was the other thing. I thought that movie was going to set this world on fire and people were going to want to get into natural horsemanship because I saw the movie A River Runs Through It and fly fishing became a natural phenomenon you know, overnight, I thought I was hoping after that Robert Redford movie that natural horsemanship was going to be all the rage. And man, here we go. And as it turned out, it, you know, a lot of people thought that you had to be genetically endowed to be a, a horse whisperer. And then a horse whisperer was someone who could go out in, a, out in the pasture and get on his knees and put his arms out and make a noise like a carrot and the horses all would come to him. Oh, my gosh. So... Not all clinicians are natural horsemen and not all natural horsemen, those who proclaim to be, are as natural as they could be or should be. I hope this is helping you. Pat Pirelli here to help you keep it natural so you can have a better horse life and so can your horse. The Pirelli Savvy Club is a membership club for people who want to learn how to savvy horses. They want to learn how horses feel, think, act, and play. And it's your virtual instructor, for you, no matter where you live, around the world, to understand Pat and Linda's philosophy and psychology of horse training. The most often asked question in the world is why. The most often given answer, just because. So I get this question all the time. Why should I join your savvy club? What the heck is it? Why don't you just sell me a video? Why don't you just give me a clinic? Why don't you just give me a lesson? I wish it was that easy. I wish I could just be like Dr. Spock and just put my hand on your head and just zap what's in my head to your head. So I'm telling you what, there was times I wish that Tom Dorrance could have done that for me. Ronnie Willis, Troy Henry, Ray Hunt, Freddie Ferrer, Freddie Knee, the greatest horsemen on this planet who've shared thoughts with me, ideas with me, techniques, perspectives. So... You know, if you want just to have, you know, go. you're hungry for pizza, you want a pizza by the, you want to get some pizza and a pizza by the slice is good enough for you, well, get our trailer loading DVD, get our DVD on lead changes, get our DVD on on uh, water crossing or the diff- you know, all the different things we've got. But if you realize that your horse can't wait for you to become the horseman that he needs you to be, now riding is nothing more than the mere act of not falling off of a horse. This is way more than riding. This is learning how horses feel, think, act, and play. This is learning step-by-step, level-by-level, on the ground, in hand and at liberty, in the saddle, freestyle and finesse. Yes, it has nothing to do with English. It's neither English nor Western. This is a foundation. And to me, the word horsemanship means 
perpetual and progressive series of habits and skills that both horses and humans need to become partners. So, for those of you that truly want to have a horse life, that want your horse to want you as bad as you want him, and for him to want to see you as the most interesting human being on the planet, then I've got something for you. I've got a program, not just a technique, not just a method, but it's a lifestyle, and it'll help you in every relationship that you ever will want to have because if we can master the relationship between us, the ultimate predators, and the horse, the ultimate prey animal, we can figure out the blueprint for all relationships, I promise you. Because it's going to use love, language, and leadership in equal doses. It's going to use communication, understanding, and psychology. Yes, you're going to learn how to, to speak horse. And yes, you're going to learn the attitude, the knowledge, the tools, the techniques, the time, the imagination, and have the support from others that are on the same journey as you. So if you're ready for this journey, this journey is ready for you. Join the Pat Pirelli Savvy Club. <laughs>